0: action pack awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now we are a proud member of the 143 podcast network How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and I'm here with Albert Morales, and we are the House of Indy. This is our third part of the Metal Shark Bro Mini. I'm with Albert, and who do we have on
1: the line today, Albert? Today, we've got the kitschy Kevin Cuff. Is it Cuff or is it Coop? How, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Cuff. You got it right, man. That's, that's all. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? How's everything really going this morning, man?
0: It's
2: great, man. I'm I'm having a great day uh despite all the, the the mess that's going on out in the world. Um I'm having a great day, man. How about you guys?
0: Doing good, man. We just got off the line talking to Walter and uh and Bob uh not too long ago and we have learned a, quite a bit about Metal Shark, bro. About boy. you. About you? No, uh, about me. Uh, about oh, yeah, you
3: in particular <laughs> yeah. they were they were yeah.
0: talking mad mad
1: poop bro <laughs> I'm not
0: I mean there,
3: there
1: were, I mean there was there was bags of it dude there was bags of it I mean the the kind that you go deliver to people's doorstep and light on fire well they only have five pound bags
3: so it can't hold all the, <laughs> <in> the <world. laughs>
1: So we, we heard you like to deliver beer to artists at shows we hear uh you know, that, uh, there's random calls on the road talking about metal shark, bro. Uh, it's
2: all true. It's all true. (laughs) (laughs) I,
1: I, I literally had to let the, I had to let your partner, Bob know. I was like, dude, listen, you guys are at a show. I'm a Jack Daniels, man. So, you know, we can make that happen.
2: I usually don't have whiskey with me. I usually have, I can, I can smuggle in like a beer or so, like in a can or in a bottle. (laughs) and, And I can, I can usually get away with that. Um, um, I haven't tried any any whiskey. Um, I do have bourbon sometimes. at shows.
3: So it um, <laughs> just nice. depends. Nice. I mean, if,
2: if you'll take bourbon, you know, you're good. Oh yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good there. You know, but
0: you know, it, it's close enough. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll take uh, I'll take some Kool Aid if you guys got it. A cool. uh, packet, yeah. throw That'd it in like my water. The purple stuff. Bob
2: France yeah. is the next booth down, sir. Bob Francis, right?
0: there. <laughs> Eat him for the Kool Aid with a lime, <laughs> he <thin>. Oh man, <laughs> that's hilarious! So, hey, all right, we got to know. We got to know about Metal Shark, bro. Uh, from your perspective,
1: he, he's right. We got to know from your perspective. We heard you got a call in the middle of like on the way home. It, it was early. What 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 happened? So,
2: the way that Metal Shark Bro came about was really weird. Um, Bob and I had been on a show together at Tidewater Comic-Con, um, and we had just come out with our second book that we did together, which was an all-ages book called Full Moon Fredo. And um, he calls at like 5 a.m., 4 a.m. I think it was 4 because I wasn't awake for work yet. And he, the first thing he says when I pick up the phone is, Sharks love metal, bro, and like, in that raspy ass Bob Franz voice, and I'm like, that's how I woke up that day, and I'm like, and the first thing I said, I don't know, can I curse? Because, because I'm gonna tell you what I actually said. Yeah you're, oh, yeah, you're fine. Oh yeah,
0: you're fine. Oh Okay, yeah.
2: just want to make sure. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like that was my. Initial. What are you talking about? It's four o'clock in the morning, like that. That's not a normal way to greet someone on the phone. And he's
1: like, Oh man, I was
2: driving through Richmond and
1: I heard this radio DJ and he said sharks love metal and they're like playing ACTC. And so I was like, What if we made this like a bad guy and full moon Fredo and we did this and that? And I was, and he was like wired. And I was like, <laughs> What
2: is going on right now? What is my life at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday? That's and that funny. was it. That's, that's, that's- and and we just started talking from there.
0: That's hilarious, man! To get a phone call from from Bob France in the middle of the night, and 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 all he says is "Sharks love metal." This is freaking hilarious.
2: That's exactly, Those were his exact. I swear, I swear <laughs> on on the Bible, the one that had a dinosaur and black Jesus in it. That um, that's what he said.
0: <laughs> so. That's hilarious. So uh, he talked to us a little bit about <laughs> about uh, the creativity between the two of you and how you guys kind of bounce off each other and and uh, come came up with these stories. I didn't know how you guys uh, how you guys landed this down and how fun it was. Um,
2: we actually that phone call is where it started because um, he would stop at, in between places. Since since I was working, I was talking to him on a Bluetooth after a little bit. Like so he would stop and then he'd be like, I'm stopping to go write this down and then he'd stop and go <laughs> write it down. And and then he would it would that would happen like every hour or so and we stayed on the phone for a ridiculous amount of time. I think I talked to him all the way back to Cincinnati. So it's like thirteen hours of wow. just us talking through ridiculousness and like it was almost like we were trying to one up each other with how ridiculous can we make it and still have a story? <laughs> um, and I was like, what if we had this? What if we had like a goat wizard? And he's like, oh, cool. What if he looked like the guy from <laughs> Claire Zipplin, of the Holy? And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Um, and what, <laughs> what if it was this? And then like, we would just be, you just kept going more and more and more ridiculous. And it, at, some, at a few points, we were both laughing so hard. Like there was no talking going on. It's just both of us cackling and you know uh it was
1: ridiculous it was utterly ridiculous
2: so that's how we worked that out and how we regularly work is is that the question or
0: yeah how did you guys do no, it no, on no. the other book too man like was 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 it, was it very similar um, with the other book as well
2: it's always really similar because like one of us will take the lead in, in writing the script, so either he's driving the car or I'm driving the car, and the passenger sort of given directions here and there. Okay. Uh, so it it just depends on the project. So it's it's like wh- whoever's in the driver's seat. Sometimes we stop and swap driver's seats too. But most of the time, if someone's driving the car already, we just try and follow what the other one's doing when mm-hmm. we when we pick up. Because let's say he'll he'll write like four pages of script. So then what I'll do is I'll come in behind him and see what he was doing, read all the stuff he did, Mm -hmm. um, and then tweak the dialogue or tweak things here or there and then tell him, hey, I tweaked this or that because this character voice sounded similar to this one or whatever. Um, And he'll be like, okay, that's cool. I'll go back in and look at it and then write four more pages on top of what he wrote,
1: trying to stay stylistically close to what it was he was doing in the first part of the script. You find that that kind of writing writing style – Really helps to be more um, keep things flowing, keep things fresh uh, for both you guys. Or uh, is it, uh, is it at times a little bit? There's a little bit of a ah, I don't think that's gonna work, bro.
2: Uh, it happens both ways. Like sometimes things happen um, where it's, it's not working, or something's not right, or it's not the tone we were originally like. The tone changes throughout, um, so it doesn't look like one person wrote it. But then there's other times where where it works perfectly fine. It's just a matter of um, you know, dealing with project to project, like what the tone is. Like mm. I can say for like Full Moon Fredo, he already had done an all ages book. So he was in the driver's seat for a lot of that because I'm prone to like drop an F bomb here or there or <laughs> throw something in a script that might not might not be there. But with an all ages book you can't do that. So it was we had to keep the jokes a lot, a lot more PG than, than I'm used to doing it. And it was the G to PG jokes. And I was like, Oh, that, he's like, that joke wouldn't work because that's like a, almost like a weird innuendo in a kid. And I was like, Oh, I keep forgetting it's all ages. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can do certain things you're limited by, you know, like you, who your audience is in that, in that respect. So for me, it wasn't tough to um adjust to anything other than the all ages and and now after we we did the first one and we wrote more scripts for that book it was after like the second one i started to get like oh here's the feel i found the rhythm but like you know i've heard it before like in writing that's where you want to be is you want to kind of have a rhythm Mm -hmm. as to what is going on and your beats in the story so that they they all come out to be a complete story when you're done and it, it doesn't speed up or slow down or get too weird in places. So like pacing is, is,
1: I would say that's the toughest part of writing.
3: Yeah.
2: Pacing.
1: What was your, uh, what was your first um, experience with writing and and published work that uh, people can actually go out there and check out? For published work? um, The first
2: thing we did was uh, the If Crime Anthology that was published. So Bob and I had did the If Crime Anthology. We had done, two books prior to that. And we did a book each without each other uh, where we, where we didn't know each other. So um, he had done, when we met, he had done Monty um, and he had gotten that picked up um, by Action Lab. And then at the time I was doing a fantasy Western with uh, my buddy, Paul Gorey, who's a great artist in his own right. Um, And it was like a fantasy Western book, which was loosely based on, all these ridiculous notes I stayed up writing when D and D had an open game license
3: um,
2: <laughs> back with three point five because I was like, oh, what if there was like a fantasy D and D like Western thing and like <laughs> and thought that that was like a fantastic idea and started messing with that and a lot of the, those notes and all that ridiculous scrawling I did at that time turned into postbound um, and then Bob and I met at a con in. Um, Altoona, Pennsylvania, Psy Valley Con through Drew Moss. Um, We were both friends with Drew. We had never met before. And Drew's like, hey, I think you're going to like this dude. He's going to like you. And so, like, we ended up meeting at that con, and we ended up, like, talking a lot um, because we were stuck um, in Altoona, Pennsylvania with, like, absolutely nothing to do. (laughs) And, like, the con was – it was – if, if if you guys have been to a con that has a weird vibe before, mm. that that con definitely had a weird vibe, um,
3: yeah.
2: and people like you couldn't even interact with people. And like when we go to cons, like like it's it's we're there to make friends. I'm not there to like necessarily push any book upon anyone. Like if you're interested in the book, that's great. We'll talk about the book or whatever. But like if you're wearing a Green Lantern T-shirt, I'm like, oh, who's your favorite Green Lantern? Like just yeah. because from from a fan's point of view to a creator's point of view, you have to look. I'm stuck there for the next eight hours and just talking to you about something you're interested in is like far more fun than just <laughs> sitting there twiddling my thumbs. You know, so obviously if you're wearing a Green Lantern shirt, you're interested in Green Lantern, let's talk about Green Lantern. Like I'm pretty cool <laughs> you stuck. Know? Yeah. So um we became friendly over that. And um and then one day he hit me up on Messenger. I, I would I wanna say it was like a month or so after that con and he was like hey what are you working on and i was like nothing right this second and he was like you want to do a book i'm like all right (laughs) so then we we just started throwing together weird ideas and that one's on comiXology elvis adventures it's the first thing we did together um and you can find it on comiXology and um nice it's uh bob and i writing rachel ordway um jerry ordway's daughter drew it and then um cool michael myers lettered it so and that's on Comicsology. You can wow. find that
0: there. Awesome, man. So, so I I need to know. I need to know. Uh, what is your creative flow?
2: Um, usually, we outline it. We 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 have an idea. Then one of us, one of the two of us, like provides an outline to the other one, or we'll write outline um, together um, in in Google Docs to where we can both mess with it. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: and then from the outline, we'll we'll start the script. So it'll usually be outline to script, but before all that happens, we'll throw together the outline, feel all the story in the outline. And then we'll start to think of who would we, we who's like, who ideally would we like to draw this? And like, luckily for us in the last couple of cases, it's always been spot on. We've been able to like get the artists we wanted to work with on whatever it was we were doing. So nice. I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that because that doesn't always happen. Yeah. So like, well, who's your first choice? And then like, he'd be like, I, I think this guy. And then we'll look at the person's or, or this gal, or either or, and we'll look at the art and we'll be like, oh, okay, that's cool. That looks good. Like, so they would draw this and like, then we'd ask them, are you interested in drawing, you know, like buildings and horses and lots of hands? No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll say like, uh, it's this, like, this is what we're trying to do. Or is that something that you're interested in drawing? Um, and they might say yes, or they might say no, and they're like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that, but I'd be interested in it more if it was more like, you know, Dukes of Hazard in space with with less weird um, General Lee references. Okay, that's cool, <laughs> let's do that. You know, so so we, we would make adjustments to whatever it is we put in based on what the artist wants to draw or has ideas about like, oh, my favorite movie is Blade Runner. So they're like, okay, let's do that. Like, so we'll incorporate more of this into the script because that's not there. Mm -hmm. Um, And let them have a say in what the story is going to be as well, because um, the creativity seems to come out more in, in artists when you're allowing them to draw stuff that they really want to draw or have had an urge to draw for a while you know, yeah. but, but then you're paying them to do it too, so they're like even more excited mm-hmm. to draw your project because you're like, okay, well you have a say too. Like it's not just this isn't just ours and we're just going to hand it to you and be like, oh this is work for hire. Like you have a you know you have a part too. So yeah. like what is it that you want to do with it? And sometimes depending on the if we already know the artist, it's like um, in in a, in a couple of cases like with with Tony um, Tony Gregory who's drawing Dust Pirates with us. Like, I said to Tony, like, what is it that you really want to draw right now? And he's like, I really want to draw this, 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 and like pirates. And it was like a whole bunch of weird stuff. And I'm like, how am I going to sit all that together And he said that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I bring that to Bobby and I go, hey, man, I really want to work with Tony because his art's amazing. And I just asked him what he wanted to work on. And this is what he said. he's like, oh man that's a lot of weird different stuff i'm like i don't i don't know where how to find a way to put it all together so then we start shooting ideas back and forth um usually over the phone uh, until we can come up with a concrete idea and then the outline comes out again so
0: nice i think i think we had a conversation back uh when we had drew moss on the on the on the show and he kind of said something similar to where like he's like i like doing doing work when when uh when writers and the creative team kind of give me a little bit of a say and i think that that actually uh it, it works better because like you said it it helps them to kind of feel a, a, number one feel a part of it uh not feel like it's 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 a job cuz obviously you guys do this because you love it it's your it's your it is a job but you don't want it to feel like a 9 to 5 job where you're like loathing to go to and i feel like i, I don't know maybe albert can, can attest to this this same thing cuz he's an artist as well um do you guys do you, do you feel like that's that's uh, that i'm i that this is right or am i blowing smoke up someone someone's rear end there
1: i mean oh, go ahead Albert. he asked you first <laughs> <you're doing> it. <laughs> it's not you i'm going to let you go uh, first i was gonna let you go first come on man you're the guest uh <laughs> no honestly uh for me uh there are times when it's like you don't really have a creative say in what you're drawing. You've accepted the job, and you've, you've accepted it. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, if you, you should have kind of known, so for me, I think you should have kind of known all the details going in, uh, just like anything else. But I think uh, it can turn into a job. It really can. Um, so you got to really enjoy the enjoy what you're doing. Um, I know with some of the projects I've done in the past, I've had a I've had a little bit of both uh, experiences. Um, especially if the story keeps changing. If you're working with an inexperienced writer or a first-time writer and um, they keep trying to change the story on you or add more things to it, it really takes down the enthusiasm you have on working on the project. Um, other times I've, I've had the opportunities to float ideas back and forth with the writer, and that's what I particularly enjoy is having fluid contact with the writer so that way you can both feed off of each other's energy mm-hmm. and, uh, and really kind of bring out a better product. I think that's just the best way to work. It's just the constant communication. Um, and I like doing it over the phone or a text message here and there, but I'm preferably a phone. Cause I just like, I like, you know, uh, dirty jokes and, and <laughs> stuff that's off topic. And that just, that just helps with the creativity, you know, it just helps with the communication. So that's just me. <laughs>
2: No, he, he, I think Albert's completely correct. Like, um, except for the dirty jokes part. No, no I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 more weird jokes, the better. Um, yeah. But in general, like the way we've been doing it is is kind of um, the last couple of times when we've done a project, we were like, "So, what do you want to draw?" And then we looked in our bag of tricks because we write down like story ideas all the time, but we don't further flesh them out because we don't know who's going to draw them. Hmm. So on on the writer's end of that, it's more like, well, I don't know who I want to draw, like who I would want to draw this. So um, instead of just approaching them with a fully formed idea, a lot of times we say, this is what we have. And then like, what what do you want to bring to that? Um, Bob and I work that way a lot because, first of all, we want the artist to feel like they're a part of it as their project. Um, and it's yeah. no fun working on something that's worked for hire if you wanted to do all work for higher work as a creative you could go to marvel or dc you could you know hone your skills up to a point to where that's exactly what you want you can learn the dc house style you can figure all that out and go more that that route or you know build your abilities to the a point where that's what you know you're setting yourself out to do is draw for one of the big two mm-hmm. but most artists aren't that's not like their end goal. That's not what they want to do. They want to do something fun and create their own and something that they're a part of. So um, we try and make that um, a more like substantive reality for them. I don't know if I just invented the word, um, but <laughs> um,
1: I-, I was doing yeah, it last and- uh, last interview, so it's all right. <laughs> really cool. I- I'm glad I'm not the only one. That's awesome.
2: Um, because we just the the most important thing is the like at the very end of the day the most important thing is the story mm-hmm. so like as mm-hmm. long as it doesn't convolute the story um which in like some stories it's, it's it's hard to like figure out what your story is but before you start, that's exactly what I think you should do is like what is your story at the, at the core yeah. like what is it about that makes it easier to stick to your theme or or even what is what the idea, going into it are going to be. Mm -hmm. So no matter what ideas are, I mean, we, we took with, and I'm, and I'm saying this because we took metal shark pro was a weird, like I said, 4am call about a shark man who got changed into a shark man by Satan's douchey nephew. But all he wants to do is be a shark again. And that's the story. So like the, the, in every scene we had to say, well, what does metal shark want? Like, what does he want? He wants
3: to be a shark
1: again.
2: So, um, that was the core of that story. So that's how I was able to maintain some sort of, um,
1: some, the whole thing is because we knew what he wanted the whole
3: time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> has the, has the, uh, has the page ever been switched on you guys or, you know, uh, flipped on you guys, uh, where, you know, um, where the artists has approached you guys, to try and uh, uh, commission you guys to, for stories and stuff like that. I mean, has that ever happened? No, but when it does, I will
2: probably have a Toyota moment or, or something like that where I'll jump up out of my seat. Like, yeah.
3: Like, um, <laughs> it's
2: happened yet. um I know there's people who said, Hey, like whatever you guys got, I want to draw. Like we just a couple people have done that. Um, but like, it's difficult to do that. Uh, in, in, the reverse way to like be like, Hey, I want you guys to write something for me. Cause I don't think artists think the same way um, Mm. as we do as, as writers. Cause I'm thinking what artists would make this look awesome and what they can put onto the page and what they bring to it. And they're thinking um, that that we're just going to write something and they're going to just draw it. And like, we don't usually work that way. So it'd be like, well, yeah, but you have some space too you know, like it's your story too. Like, mm-hmm. and that's right. another thing about, about this that I think that is weird is when I hear people first starting to do comics, I hear people play like my story, my, my, it's not yours anymore. As soon as you decide to bring that artist in, it's no yeah. longer both yours anymore. It becomes like ours. So, mm-hmm. um, that sort of possessiveness can detract from the mm-hmm. workload. Um, like Joey was saying, like, it, it'll make it feel like more work um, than fun if you try and do it that way. Because it's just not going to be yeah. as much fun, um, right. you know, actually.
0: And, and honestly, the more creative minds together, coming together to figure something out or put something on the page, the better, I think, you know. I mean, we all think differently. We all have different ways of of expressing things. And, and my way may not work and your way Made it work better. And it's all good. I mean, if we're all into this together to uh, create something that people are going to love, why not accept somebody else's uh, uh, opinion on it and say, okay, cool. Let's let's get this down because we're all in this together. I'm, sometimes it doesn't work that way, right?
2: <laughs> I mean, because when we write a script, the patterns are pretty short. It's like this person is doing this. Now, I'm not going to say this person is doing this and it only works from – and an overhead angle or it only works from a worm's eye view or it only works because I'm not the artist. It's not my job to direct the camera. It's not um, Bob's job to direct the camera. We're just going to say, this is what's happening in the panel. Like it's the artist is going to figure out the best way to draw that. So Mm -hmm. it's just our job to get out of their way and let them do that. If we start nitpicking about how precious the story is to us, then we're going to be way more in the way than we want to be.
3: Yeah.
1: So I, I, I just had this picture of Gollum in my head right when you said "precious." I can't, I cannot hear that word without seeing Gollum.
3: <laughs> precious. you
1: know, I hear that word, so. and I think of toilet paper.
3: So, oh yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, especially
0: yeah. right now, man. Well, it's
1: funny you should mention that because I actually I, I asked uh, um, asked Bob where, where does he do his best writing at, and uh, um, he had mentioned that he goes in a a quiet spot. Or was it was it Bob that said the joy?
0: Yeah, he said he the shower.
1: <laughs> Oh, the shower, the shower. That's right. Where so where where's does you go for your uh, for your best writing? Usually it's at the desk with coffee and
2: super late at night when my brain is is more prone to, um, to subconscious leading me. Yeah, okay. Okay. the subconscious leading me more than me be forcing my ideas onto the page. Um, because there's times when I'm trying to write something, you're just not going to get anything good done. Um, and we've had that experience before too, where we had to scrap. Pages upon pages, I think it was, like, um, two projects ago, we we both wrote, like, 16 pages worth of stuff, and I had done mine really late at night, and he had done his really early in the morning. We went back and looked at it compared to the rest of what we had wrote. I was like, oh, this is kind of garbage.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is awful. Like, what were we thinking? I, I thought it was amazing at 3
1: a.m., but now I'm looking at it, and this this is
0: shit. Why would you do that? So, so earlier today we, we asked Walter what he kind of did to kind of get himself in that mode. And then we asked Bob the same thing. So now we're going to sit back and then we're going to ask you as well. How do you get into the mode to create something like this? What are those, those things that you always go back to that you're like, I have to do this to, to get my mind going.
2: Well, first of all, it's coffee. Um, it's, usually, it's usually a cup or two of coffee. Um, and then secondly, um, depending on what I'm writing, I put on like movie scores um, uh,
3: okay.
2: on on like the Spotify. I'll throw the, the movie scores up there and it'll be uh, it'll be randomly shuffling movie scores, but they'll all be similar. So like if I put on like uh, I want to I want to do something like, let's say, like the old um, Ridley Scott movie. Uh, legend. So I'll throw that on and so I'll hear some of that and then the other scores will be similar to that one. So if I'm writing something fantasy, I'm not like hearing you know, weird techno pop or, or yeah. something <laughs> in the in theme. So I try to try keep my mind on what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. um, or what what the genre is that we're currently writing in. Um, that's pretty much That's pretty much it. But I mean, for, for Walter, I mean, he's an amazing artist, so, I mean, I could understand how, like, that might take a lot more – you might have to do a lot more work to get into <laughs> yeah. the zone um, than than just, like, going on movie scores and drinking
0: coffee. You know what, but, but I un- I can understand that because sometimes when I really want to get into, like a, like, a book that I want to read, like a comic book or something, uh, or maybe, like, I'm reading a trade that day. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll throw on some headphones and I'll do the kind of the same thing like movie scores or like some kind of like upbeat classical music or something, mostly movie scores because when I'm reading like a action book, it makes me feel, it gives me like this more of like a, a 3d kind of experience I'm reading, I'm seeing the artwork and I'm listening to the music and it almost feels like a movie in my head when I, so I completely understand, man.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I never thought
0: about doing that at the same time when I was reading. I being that's usually quiet, but so that's, that's, that's
1: a really good idea, man. Yeah, man. Try it out. It's freaking cool. <laughs> so, uh, Bob actually said that he bounced the idea, uh, or like, not didn't bounce the idea, but he, um, he explained the idea to his wife uh, when he came home, you know, and, and after talking with you about it, of course, and uh, <laughs> just kind of fleshed it all out or was talking to her about it. Did you do that with your wife or spouse?
2: Uh, um, no, because uh, at, at the time of Metal Shark Pro, I was, a, I was a single father. So um, I didn't. I, I wouldn't bounce it off of at the time. He would have been uh, nine, eight, eight minutes last year so. He yeah, was about an eight and a half. So like, I couldn't bounce it off my child because he would have just been like, Dad, yeah. <laughs> like, legit crazy. Yeah. If, I, if I listed all the things that were in the book, like a talking a shark man, a, a demon guy, a goat wizard, a <laughs> flying eyeball with bat wings, um, he would have just thought I was high or something. So, like that would have been bad. And yeah, you you would have had some
0: people knocking um, at your doors.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. He's like writing something about this, and there's demon donuts, and like a flying batman ball and and, and it just sounds all ridiculous. So I'm sure I'm sure Bob's wife had the same reaction. She was probably like, "What is wrong with you?" Two? Um,
0: I think she. I think he told us that uh, that he's like that was just like a normal day for her.
2: I mean, that's possible
1: too. <laughs> What was your, what's your, what was your initial reaction to the, to the fandom of it all with metal sharp bro?
2: I really thought it was strange that, that out of, cause we did like a serious crime story for the if crime anthology. And it was like, like very noir and like very serious. Um, and then we did another serious thing in between.
3: Yeah. And then
2: we started scripting, um, Meltzer for not long after that so it was like we're just gonna do this as a palate cleanser because we're both silly uh bob and i are really ridiculous and so when we're like we want to make this a comic it, like i think had i had a different writing partner they'd have been like you're fucking crazy <laughs> like we can't <laughs> um but bobby's really easy and he's like but we could do this or we could do that and we could do this and and that's one of the joys of working with him is like like no idea is kind of off limits cuz yeah. um we've pretty much tackled almost every genre we've even done a, we've even done a horror story that Chris Dabari drew for us um nice. that should be out i mean it should be out this year sometime i think yeah. um and that was fun to work on so it, it, it's like we're not really limited by genre but weird thing about the fandom thing is like I'm like out of everything people could have been like dude this great they're like your ridiculous is amazing and I'm like what <laughs> I was shocked <laughs> Bobby would probably that uh he probably gave me what he said about the like, we are like well this is how much we need and he was like you're fucking crazy we're not gonna make that much <laughs> There's no way, and that's exactly what he said at first. There's no way that's gonna happen. I'm like, I think we can do it. Yeah, and, and then he's like, he's not, and that's probably been, was in his story there when he told you guys that because it was a weird moment with the three of us on a three way call. Bob, Walter, and I. And Walter's Walter is 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 definitely um, he, he's definitely good at organizing and putting things together. So he was like, "This is exactly how much this would cost to make," and we're like, "Oh, that's." that's a lot of money.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: yeah. I'm like, oh, um, because we were thinking, like, and to be honest, Bob and I were thinking, oh, it's going to be like a
3: fifteen
2: k Kickstarter to do a whole graphic novel because we've seen other people do graphic. And nobody ever tells you when you're doing Kickstarter that you're going to go in and this is what it's going to cost. So you have yeah. to think about Kickstarter fees, and shipping and, and everything like that. And then yep. Walter comes out with the number and he goes, it's going to be like 24... Twenty three thousand, this, this, and I'm like, oh, with Kickstarter fees, that's like twenty four thousand yeah. dollars. Like that's an awful number to hear when you want to make something. Yeah. And you're not sure. It's scary. Um so it's it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um Thankfully <laughs> you
1: guys hit the march both times.
2: Um well, it, it was weird. The second time around, we weren't positive we were gonna make it either, but we were a little more sure that people would come back for a second helping if they knew about it the yeah. weird thing is the internet interferes with some of that with the algorithms and stuff like that um and we got told totally we were crazy on the first one um <laughs> a, a guy who does another podcast like you guys are asking for way too much money i'm like this is what it costs yeah. um and it's weird because i was listening to you guys's first episode with um balki and he was talking about that and i was like he's exactly right yeah hundred percent. People people said, Oh man, you guys made all this money on Kickstarter. I was like, no, we made a book. <laughs> we got to make, we got to make a book. Um, we didn't get to make uh, a bunch of money off of it. We got to make the book, which is what we set out to do. Um,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. it's
2: weird what people's perceptions are versus reality when it comes to the cost of a book a comic book. And I believe he says like eight to twelve thousand to make one
1: issue. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's that's not wrong if you figure you know, eight thousand times four. It's even still more than we made, but at least we got to pay everyone and get everything out of the way before it went to publishing. So, like everything after that is in the you're in the black as far as like on your book. So you're not it's not costing you money to make it anymore. Which when I was listening to him talk, he was like, "Oh, this kind and I'm like, yeah, you can end up right there you're yeah. not careful." He's talking about how much money that intertwined <laughs> uh, cost him, and I was like, "Oh my god." That's a nightmare
1: yeah 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 it's, it's, would you say you guys are a little bit more used to the, to the how to work it now on the on the uh, Kickstarter or still a learning process?
2: I <sighs> mean Kickstarter is rough. I will say that because it's, it's kind of like you're trying to predict what people want um, for rewards and things and you're also trying to predict what you can do yeah um, because some of the stuff's not made yet. So some of the stuff you don't have, like you don't have enamel pins when you're when you're sitting there putting them up, you're just hoping enough people pledge to that tier so you can go buy enamel pins.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's a tough it's a tough sell because you're you're dealing in products that you're imagining that you can have if you get to a certain point. Um. So it's it's a little rough with that, and it's also rough based on like like we were just talking about perceptions because perceptions of the common everyday person as to what it costs to make a comic are like, Oh, it only costs you a couple grand. These guys are cleaning up, which isn't true. Like I, I wish it was true. Um, I wish we were like doing a Kickstarter and, and pulling in 80 K and being like, Oh, really? It costs 80 K to make a comic. You know, because that would be an utter lie. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, um, it's hard to, it's hard to find ways to do it to where you're at least starting off to where you don't owe anybody any money Um, or it's not costing you money out of pocket to make. So um, I I would say for people who are afraid to pull the trigger on Kickstarter, like just give – if you see something on there you like, back it. Even if it's for no reward, you can throw $5 at it and you don't have to worry about what you're getting in return. And then if it comes out and becomes a physical thing, go buy it from that creator or – whatever, because Kickstarter is hard. Um, And if you're worried about not getting your thing, because there are horror stories out there. Um, Most people that do Kickstarter, I would would like to think, are on the level of um, really wanting to make the thing for you. So if if it's not there yet, um, instead of beating them up about what what the delay is or whatever, because things always happen, because you're basically trying to create something in the future, but you're in the now going, okay, in 10 months we should have this. Well, you don't know what's going to happen in that 10-month frame from the time you say you're going to have it to, like, somebody could have a death in the family that, you know, takes up two months of their lives, and if that person is, let's say, your artist um, on the book, well, they might withdraw the draw for two of those months
3: yeah. due to whatever right.
2: family constraints or whatever happened. So, like, then that pushes your project two months out further. So, like, I would say just be a little bit more thoughtful when you're back in kickstarters because the people that are up there trying to put stuff out for you are actually trying to put that stuff out it just might take them more time than they think uh and unforeseen circumstances happen all the time
0: so i'm looking at your your uh kickstarter now um so uh and and it's a little scary sometimes especially like you were saying when when you got when you see these numbers you hear these numbers and you're trying to predict what, what what people are doing and and uh and just the stress throughout. Uh, how do you? How do you? Uh, uh, kind of like take yourself away from there? Because I know I've heard t- people like they, they're they're always saying, "Oh, I'm always checking it. I'm always looking at it." And and I find like that can be a little stressful sometimes. Uh, especially like with with having a podcast, you're always looking for the numbers. You're always looking at the numbers. And uh, the, that was when I was first doing this. That I, I did that all the time. And it got stressful because I'm like, oh, nobody likes it because I'm only I'm only getting 10 listens or 20 listens or whatever. And you kind of have to train yourself to not look at that. Do you find like that's that's kind of the same when you when you do a Kickstarter, you kind of have to take yourself and separate yourself from it a little bit um, so that doesn't stress you out?
2: Um, Bobby carries all the stress on the Kickstarters. Um, So it's really funny because what he'll do is sit at home and look at it like you're saying. And check it every couple hours, uh-huh. um, and I'll get phone call updates like it's the news. Um, I'll okay. I'll be doing other things, <laughs> and I and I'll get a phone call update, and like, oh man, we just hit five thousand, and I'm like, oh,
1: that's cool, and he's kind like, been watching it all day, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: sitting like a crazy person in front of the computer, and <laughs> I'm just watching the numbers go up,
3: <laughs> that's and funny. that's
2: what he does. And that, I mean, I'm not lying. That's exactly what he does. So I don't, I can't carry the worry if He's going to carry it. So yeah. I'm like, I'll let him worry <laughs> about it. And then when, when I get an update that we're like $10 shy of the next one, I'll start tweeting about it. Yeah. So hopefully somebody, somebody will back at that $10 level or whatever. So where, to where I won't get a phone call at one o'clock in the morning. Like I'm still watching the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> that, that will happen. <laughs> um he's a crazy person when we do these things and he he'll, he'll admit it. He's the first one to be like, "Oh man, I get so worried." And I'm like, "Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I worry too. I don't want, I don't I'm not trying to say that there's no worry there, but if he's going to carry the majority of it, I'm just going to let him."
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I I, I kind of feel that that's that's, that's good because I mean, you, when there's two of you guys on this thing and you guys are like one of you has to be I, I don't know the voice of reason and the one that has the other one can go absolutely crazy i guess because <laughs> i mean if you got two people going crazy it's just gonna spiral out of the, out of the, out of the way
2: well we take turns with with <laughs> who's the crazy one on certain things and who's the, the the voice of reason so um on the kickstarter's front i would say i'm probably the voice of reason and he's probably the crazy person that's checking it all the time, checking it on his phone or being at the grocery store and checking it. I'll check it. I just check it. Like I'll probably check it like three times a day. Like I'll check it when I wake up, I'll check it probably in the middle of the day. And uh, on this last one for um, Island of Misfit Bros, I checked it like in the morning when I first woke up um, on the way to work and then at work and then once after dinner or something (laughs) At least five I knew, times a day. He, well, I knew he checked it at least <laughs> twenty-five times that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> it just something to change drastically in that time frame. I was going to get a, an update on that. So
1: nice. That's funny. <laughs> so what? What? What can we expect in the future, man? Like, what? Are, what are we looking for? Uh, should we be keeping our eyes out for
2: Metal Shark Pro Two. That's it. That, everybody should be buying Metal Shark Pro Two.
1: Um, because, oh yeah, no, that's already on our radar. That's <laughs> good. yeah,
0: oh yeah. I did I did notice um, on your on your on your thing you guys you guys uh, hit your goal with less backers the second time around than the first
2: yeah yeah and, and that and I like I said I think that has to do with the algorithms and what who was seeing it who knew about it because a lot of people are like oh uh, on on Twitter at least I've heard like oh I didn't realize you guys did another Kickstarter and I was like it's all I tweeted about for like a month <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I must be on mute. <laughs> um, so for like for like thirty days, I go I, I go nuts on the Twitter and Instagram and and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. sometimes on Facebook. But Facebook has like I feel like they have a brushed algorithm, so like I, I tend to stay stay away from Facebook because they'll they'll uh, keep you down. So Twitter will let you tweet about it as much as you want to, and so I apologize at the beginning of the Kickstarter um, to, to <laughs> people. I'm like, hey, if you're following me. And this annoys you, mute me for exactly thirty days. You i know, 'cause <laughs> I'm gonna be annoying.
0: That's funny. In
2: the next thirty days. I'm gonna be annoying. So um, if, if that annoys you, I'm gonna apologize in advance and say for the next thirty days I'm gonna annoy you. So um, <clears throat> even if you backed already, I'm gonna annoy you. Um, so there's that. That's better. Um <laughs> but with with Metal for War two, that was a lot of a lot more fun. Like, we tried to have a lot more fun with it. Um, then, I mean, the, well, I, both of them were a lot of fun. So, I yeah. don't want to say like the, the first one wasn't fun, but we kind of already had a feel in the second one. I was like, this is there, here's our benchmark. Like, how do we make this better yet different? So, it's not like a replay of the first one. Yeah. So, um, with what we're working on in the future, we're doing something with um, Tony Gregory now, who's done stuff for Vault and Um, He's got a book coming out at Dark Horse sometime soon, and a couple other things coming out. Um, He's a great artist. Um, If you don't follow him, you should. He's a really great dude and a great artist. Um, And it's called Dust Pirates. And the basic premise of that is um, imagine if John Carpenter did a buddy cop um, pirate movie in Atlantis, but Atlantis isn't what you thought it would be. Nice huh. so when you imagine Atlantis, you would imagine it being like water
3: uh-huh. but
2: the, the right. atlantis has has become a, an ecological wasteland and there's more of a desert due to the circumstances of the people of Atlantis. So um, these two pirates end up in Atlantis and uh, they are um, they're good friends and um, human and the only two humans in Atlantis. But they they're using these things to their advantage and pirating things that they shouldn't pirate and things like that.
0: <laughs> nice. That sounds so it's, awesome. like Max, <laughs> it's like a
2: Mad Max. It's like a Mad maxi pirate fantasy swashbuckling thing, but like <laughs> with with like with like buddy cops. So I, it's 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 a little hard to explain. But my elevator pitch would be kind of um lethal weapon. Meets Pirates of the Caribbean
0: and Dune. Oh, nice! Oh, wow. that is awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right, I'm I'm excited about that <laughs> what, what,
1: man. <laughs> and that book's slated for when?
2: Uh, we have we have just finished the first issue. Tony just finished all the inks on the first issue. Um, it's going to be colored by um, on the book. It's Bob and I writing, um, Chaz editing. Uh, so Chaz who edited uh, Chaz Pangburn who edited Metal Shark Bros. Editing. Okay. Uh, Tony's doing the art and the inks, um, and Marissa um, Louise is is doing the colors. Um, nice. So um, we plan on doing that issue by issue. So we haven't really pitched anywhere yet, but that's what the next step is we're going to try and pitch. Uh-huh. But um, right now is probably the worst time to pitch.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so do you guys
0: so – We're going
2: to keep paying on production.
0: So are you guys going to uh, – I mean – are you going to throw it in a Kickstarter as well, or how are you going to do that for, in the meantime?
2: It's really funny that you mentioned that, because we've talked about it, and um, we're not sure if we should kickstart right now or not, Yeah, um, due to what the climate is. And like people in comics are super worried about everything right now, with mm-hmm. good with good cause. You know? yeah. um, so we wanted to wait until some of that subsided before we tried to be like, hey, we got this brand new Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a during your pandemic, your pandemic dollars should go to backing the Pirates. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, we're just going to keep producing the book so we have as much done as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're I think we're doing issue to issue. That way we don't have to um, fund for like a, a super huge amount yeah. to make sure we can get a whole graphic novel done.
0: You know it's a little weird uh, right now because yeah you're you're that's true like people are like I don't know if I want to spend all my money but at the same time they want to spend their money like I I I, I want like I'm trying to like it's it's this it's this fight that I have with myself man because I'm like I'm jonesing from not being able to go to the comic shop and pick up my books weekly so I'm like well, I need a book I need a new new comic book to read I want something else. So uh, the last book I bought was yours. It was Metal Shark Bro, cause I and I'm like, ooh, I really need something else now. And I, I found myself looking at, at uh actually getting a physical copy. I'm like, mm, where can I get it now? And uh and I'm like, I think I'm gonna go to Scout and get the regular cover. I see that you guys have this really cool variant cover on your Kickstarter. What, so now I'm like, there's 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 my next thirty forty bucks right there. I'm gonna get uh, from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, like, cause it's like, it's this thing that I'm, I'm like, I'm Jones in man. And I think a lot of people are right now too. So it's, it's a really, it's a toss up. Like how are you, how could you do it? You can't, uh, you can't really print too many things right now and, and ship them that. So that's a difficult thing. Um, you know, there are people who would read it d- digitally, but then there's those people who really hate digital. Um, so it's really hard. It's a weird place to be because, um, while we want to
2: we're, – we're trying to keep producing other things, and that uh, is one of them. Dust Pirates is one of the things we're trying to do. Luckily, a couple of other things we're doing were short stories, and those were done before all this happened. Um, one's supposed to be in, like, an anthology for Top Cow, and that should be out sometime later this year, like I said, with Chris Dabari. And I think Simon Goh is coloring it. I hope I said Simon's last name right. Um, Simon is coloring it. Chris did the pencils and the ink. Um, Bobby and I wrote it. Chaz edited it for us, and then for Image Top Cow, I believe the editor was Ryan Cady, um, and that's called Spirit of 666. And that's basically like this thing that we thought of, of years ago: was like, what if um, the Puritans were really like devil worshippers, hmm. uh, and they opened the gates to hell in America in 1776, and only people stopping them were this um, Hessian guy who was um, fighting for the colonists—I believe the colonists hired the
1: Hessians—or
2: I mean, he might have been fighting, they might have been fighting against them. I'd have to check my history. And a Buffalo Soldier, so it's like a, a Buffalo Soldier and a Hessian guy, basically fighting demons that were summoned by Puritans to oh, colonial that, America. That's so
3: like colonial that's interesting. horror
2: mixed with. Um, it's colonial horror mixed with like these two guys who um who don't really like each other, so they're not buddies. It's not a buddy cop story. They don't. They, it's more like um they, they're just um unlikely allies, and they don't like each other, but they respect each other.
0: Like like me and Albert. It's a lot like <laughs> me and Albert, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
2: They're fighting for opposite sides, but then they team up to take the demons out of America, uh, basically because they're both outsiders. Um, they're both mercenaries. Um. They're hired by respective sides of this war. They don't really have a say in the war. But when the colonies invade, somebody has to do something. So that is why these two characters are important. Like, you know, one guy's a black guy, so he's definitely an outsider in that time period in, in yeah. America. And the other guy's a German guy
3: mm-hmm. and a
2: mercenary, too. So um, that was the basic premise of that. And that's coming out sometime this—it was supposed to come out sometime this year. I don't know if Hopefully, it still is, yeah. or if it got pushed, anything— but that's just a short, it's only six pages long. Um, but that's the idea we had for it is kind of like a Conan to, to set it in a Conan way where you can pick up at any part in the story. And like, it's just a single, like a bunch of one shots compiled to make the overarching story of these two guys, or, uh, more importantly, the one main character who is Harper, the Buffalo soldier, um, and his travels through the colonies. um, and his experiences going through all this stuff, um, where in the there's demons and, and stuff everywhere that's that's plaguing
1: colonial America. Super, super interesting. I that too.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Well, dude, we want to thank you for coming on the show with us, man. You're, you're capping off our three-part three series for the Metal Shard Pro. Dude, if uh, if there's anything you know we can do for you as far as uh, promoting anything for Christian the Kickstarter, uh, let us know. We'll definitely throw it on our page. Uh, but, yeah, man, uh, again, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks
0: again for hanging out with us here on
1: The House, House of Indies. I'm
0: Joey Galvez and Albert Morales.